Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hello, today we're going to be talking about networking. Always a popular topic. Some people get much more excited about this topic than others. Where are you introverts out there? As a fellow introvert, I find networking to be exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. But over the years, I have come to appreciate the benefits of it, as well as not mind it so bad in, in bite-sized pieces. So we're going to look at networking in a very strategic way. Like I mentioned, I'm a bit of an introvert, and networking has not always been the most fun part of building my career, but I've learned a bunch of different ways to build my network without always having to go to every social activity out there and spend hours and hours talking to space invaders and people that just ramble on or drink too many drinks and I'm just not sure why they're networking because they're not putting themselves in a good light for their career. But social mapping is an approach that you can take. And what this is, is Basically, figuring out what types of people you need to have around you, how to build relationships with those people, and really prioritizing who you should be building relationships with first. And this kind of sounds like stacking your friend deck. I get that. But everybody needs a champion. We all need advocates. We need support network. We need a champion in our professional life. Heck, we need it in our personal life too. But that's a different podcast. For our professional life, you need a champion. You need someone that's going to have your back. Uh, It's always extra beneficial if that champion can be someone more senior than you or someone that can wield influence over promotions or possible positions in other areas that we might like in the future. So the idea of social mapping is to really be intentional about who you're spending your time with. We're all busy, and networking takes so much time. Building long-standing, trusting beneficial relationships with people takes time. So it's not like you can go out every night of the week and network night after night after night, drinking, eating, talking. I mean, folks, just the calories alone and all of that, let alone being exhausted when you have to get up the next day to go to work, right? So that's the first thing, being intentional about who you are including in your network. Now look, I'm not saying that when others come to you to be their champion or advocate, you should blow them off, right? I'm absolutely not saying that. 
But that's someone else's network. Let them worry about their network. We're talking about your network. When you are looking at your career, trying to determine where you want to go, and you have a strategy, say you want to move from one pillar of your organization to another, it's nice to continue being friends and colleagues with the people on your team. You definitely need to do that. But you also need to look to expand your network to people in that other pillar that will know you, that will get to understand what type of employee you are, recognize your skills, and when the time comes, be able to say, hey, I know that person. They are really good at ABC. And the way we do that is somewhat targeted. So when you're looking at these types of moves, say you're thinking that you want to change jobs completely and you're just not sure what you want to do, look around people in your first, second, and third levels of contacts and figure out who would be the best person to offer you guidance or advice or support in those moves and find ways to build a relationship with them. Now, this sounds really self-serving and it, it sounds like you're using these people. And if you are just going to look at it from the short-term perspective of, hey, I need them to get me from point A to point B, I'm going to go and insinuate myself into their social networking group so that I can get what I want. And then after that, I'm just going to move on with my merry life. Then yes, then you're using them. And I would argue that that is a mistake because if you build a champion, even if they cannot directly impact, uh, you know, your next step in your career, they could still serve as a wealth of knowledge, a sounding board for different questions and concerns you have. They could just be a good friend. And in business nowadays, you can never have too many friends. We talk about team in one of my other podcasts and how so many companies tout this culture of teamwork. And it's bananas because it just isn't something that they're really doing. So it's up to us as the employee, as the manager, as the director to foster that type of environment and building a network that is filled with supportive, like-minded people to ourselves can really help improve that situation for us. Right, And I'm just talking about us right now. I'm, we're being selfish. We're thinking about our network. We're thinking about our future and how building relationships with different people can get us there. I say we're being selfish because I assume that once you build relationships with these people, it's a push and pull. So if they have questions or something coming up in their life, if they're helping you, I would hope that it would be reciprocated. If they wanted help practicing for an interview or had some questions or you knew somebody that you could introduce them to. So that leads to a very key point about these people that you're surrounding yourself with, right? I had an acquaintance years ago that really wanted to come and work where I was working. And 
we were friendly. I would say we were not necessarily networking buddies, but we were friendly, grab a beer now and again in a group. But as we were networking and, you know, having conversations out over beer or coffee, they were constantly complaining about their job, their coworkers, just a constant stream of negativity and blame and just from my point of view, not someone that I would want to recommend for a job. So this puts you in a tricky position, right? Because they're in your network, you've become friends with them and they're supportive of you and now they're asking you to support them directly as it impacts you. Because if you recommend someone that's going to come in and do a lousy job, that reflects on you. So you do have to be careful about this. I'm not saying ditch him as a friend. I mean, we were still social and... Perhaps you talk to this person and say, I don't know if that position is the right position for you. And you explain the complexity of the position and how, based on what you understand from them and their preferences in the workplace, this will be someplace they will be unhappy. That may work, that may not. Um, You know, there's a whole bunch of different ways to handle that. But they're all really touchy because you you don't want to come across as being self-serving, but at the same time, you also don't want to screw yourself because you're bringing this person that is going to reflect badly on you. Perhaps you want to say, the job's been filled. You know, um, there are all kinds of opinions about the little white lie. Some people are more comfortable with it than others. You could just say, looks like that position was pulled or it was full or the boss had somebody already picked out for it. So it's up to you on how you want to handle that. But I would be considerate of how it's going to reflect on you if you bring in somebody that is going to be a giant pain in the neck for the team, for the boss, for the organization. And as a steward of your career, you want to make sure that you are not unduly putting yourself back a couple steps in your progression and your aspirations because you make a bad choice that way. There is loyalty. Perhaps you try to help them find another position. Maybe there's another organization similar to yours and you can help them find another position. So you're still helping them out, but you're not screwing yourself in the process. So where can you meet people to build this web of supporters and advocates and champions that can help bolster your career? Work probably has the social calendar girl who is all about planning the happy hours and the lunches and the birthday parties and the coffees and the holiday parties. That's a great person to know. Early on in my career, I was encouraged to attend those things minimally because if you're at work, you should be working. You shouldn't be socializing at random parties. I do agree, but I also disagree. I think in moderation, they are paramount to building your network. And 
you don't have to be bringing presents or baking cookies or all of that kind of thing, unless it's something you like to do. If you like to bake and that's your thing, then bring some cookies for Sally's birthday or, or bring a bag of candy for Harry's retirement party. There's lots of different ways that you can participate in these activities, but it's also okay to just do the drive-by. And I'll talk about the drive-by quite a bit in this podcast because as an introvert, I'm a big fan of the drive-by in a variety of different formats. So the birthday party's going on in the conference room, you stop in, you say hello to everybody, wish the birthday girl, birthday guy a happy birthday. There's somebody there that uh, you are working on a project with or have worked on in the past. You can stop by and say, hey, how's it going? How's the project going? If you know someone's getting ready to go on a trip, looking forward to your trip, hope you have a good time, that kind of thing. Five, ten minutes, make the appearance so that you are seen through the office and through your leadership as, as participating. And then you got work to do. The beauty of the work meeting is you're at work. So if you go, you make the appearance, you're social for a few minutes, then you got to get back to work. I got work to do. I got a meeting. I got a phone call. I got stuff to do. But enjoy your day. And then you politely bow out. The other is the lunch. Everybody takes lunch for the most part. I was terrible at this because I would sit at my desk and um, not really go out to lunch much. My job was pretty busy. Most of it was self-imposed because I would much prefer to be ridiculously busy than twiddling my thumbs. But a lot of time, social lunches were just not in the plan for me because I, I, I really just didn't have time. Could I have made time and adjusted my my plate of projects? Probably. It might not have been a bad idea in certain areas of my career to make more of a concerted effort to occasionally go for that social lunch. They're a little bit harder to do the polite exit. You know, if it's close by, you could always walk with the people who are getting lunch and talk to them on the way there and say, hey, I, I don't have time for a full lunch, but let me walk with you and I'll pick up takeout on the way there or on the way back and I'll see you later. So again, little snippets of social time and interacting with folks is better than none. And it demonstrates that you're interested in getting to know them. The other drive-by example that I mentioned is with senior folks. Most senior folks in your chain are probably really busy. Tons of meetings, running from here, there, and everywhere. They don't do a whole lot of at-their-desk work because as the boss, they have to go to meeting after meeting to supervise and oversee whatever everybody else is working on and get briefed on it. So it's tricky to get on their calendars. There's no reason why you can't cruise past their office, though. You know, if they're on the same floor or even a different floor, Find reasons to walk past their office for two reasons. One, if they see you out there enough and they're paying attention, chances are they may say, hey, 
I see you walk by here every Tuesday at such and such a time, or I see you walk by here every morning at such and such a time. What you doing? And then you can say to him, hey, I'm going to grab my coffee, or I have a standing meeting with Henry down the hall, or whatever it is you're doing. The copier's right there. I got to go pick up my, my printouts. Find a reason to work them into your natural routine because you want the visibility of these people. If you want to progress and move up the chain, they need to know who you are. They need to have you in the back of their mind so that if a project comes up, they think of you. And if you can find ways to have conversations with them, even for just a minute, and say, hey, I'm Kelly, and I work down the hall, and I do X, Y, and Z. That's all they need to know. It gets it in their head. And then you run into them the next time. How are things going with X, Y, and Z, Kelly? Oh, they're going great. Thanks. The key to this is that they're very busy, and you need to recognize that they're very busy. Whether you believe they're busy or not, they think they're busy. And you need to be respectful of that. So you get in, you make your quick comment if you have your, your opportunity, you give them a little 30-second elevator pitch of what you're up to, what's going on, how things are going. If there's a big presentation you've got coming up, a high-visibility trip you've got coming up, find a way to just drop that. Name drop it. Yeah, I saw director so-and-so at this presentation I gave last week. I think it went really well. Leave it at that. See if they say anything else. Otherwise, have a nice day and be on your way. These little interactions add up. And they pop into people's heads when you would least expect it. There are some really obtuse people out there. And I get it. Some people are just never going to get it. They're going to be oblivious to the fact that you're trying to, to build a relationship with them. Or... They may just be super arrogant and not interested in all with having anything to do with a peon like you. And that's okay. That's okay. Because you never know, you may not be a peon for long. And at some point later on in your career, with or without them, you may run into them again. And then they will think, oh, well, I guess they're not a peon anymore, are they? And maybe they'll always think that. But it's worth the possibility that at a crucial time in your career, when you need support from somebody, that that person might be there. And what is it costing you? A couple extra steps to make a circuitous route to go to the copier or the coffee machine or to just cruise by and see, you know, if they're in their office. It's only a couple minutes. So those are the different ways that you can map out who it is that you have in your networking chain. The other key point to networking is the sustaining part. Once you develop these relationships, you have to maintain them. You have to cultivate them. You have to grow them. Just making a quick hit, hey, good to know you. We had a beer. We're best friends for the night. We talked about your dog and your wife and your, your, your backyard project, so now we're best friends, but now I'm never going to speak to you again. That doesn't work. 
because that's not really building a relationship. That's like a one night stand for work. It's just, it's not, it's not lasting. And if you need them in the future, sure, you could probably reach out to them. But again, that doesn't feel very genuine if someone's just buying you a beer on a Tuesday and then six months later they need you to sign off on something for work. That's going to feel used and people see through that kind of thing. So the following up with folks is key. And it doesn't have to be happy hours or dinners or lunches weekly. It doesn't have to be that. When I was younger, early in my career, that was my perception is that if I built a relationship with somebody at work, that it was going to be a whole separate job of trying to maintain this. And I was going to have to know the names of their kids and their dogs and what their schedule was and what they did every weekend and where they went every year for vacation. And I, that was overwhelming to me because, I, again, I am an introvert, and to have to track not only my calendar but build relationships with all of these strategic people and keep track of everything that's going on in their lives seemed completely insurmountable to me. But what I discovered is remembering just a few little things about people means so much more than chasing them down for coffee or chasing them down once a week for for dinner or beers. If you really listen to what it is they're saying to you and what they're sharing with you and you remember those things, that makes a huge difference. That can really be impactful to your relationship going forward. I started trying to pay very close attention to what people were saying to me and pick out little things that seemed really important to them. When you're networking with someone from your organization or a fellow organization or, or a client, typically the conversation centers around business. You know, they complain about their, their coworker or they complain about their boss or they complain about the work, and you kind of bond over commiserating, if you will. And other times, it's more about bragging. Hey, I've got this big, big account coming up, and I just nailed this account, and I'm bringing in this much money for the business, and everything's going fabulous. And then there's the people that will take a break from those conversations and let you see behind the curtain. And if they share something personal with you, a picture of their dog, that their kid is graduating high school, little Johnny's playing baseball this week and he's really getting better, my wife started a business and she's doing amazing, if they share nuggets like that with you, mark those down in your brain because those are personal connections that you have just made and they will pay back in dividends. And I'm not talking selfishly. I'm talking emotionally as a connection between two people that you can carry forward and you can nurture and you can, you can hone and, and keep that on the long term. You could become friends with that person. I mentioned before that I, I traveled a lot overseas and I met so many incredible people. And 
the language barrier is tough in a lot of countries. You know, you're working through an interpreter, and it's really hard to build a connection like that with people with an interpreter as your go-between. And so many people around the world, at least in my experience, really want to try and learn English because it's prevalent in so many countries. So most people that I met always had a couple words in English that they were able to communicate in. And they were so proud when they were trying it out, you know. And I always equated this because I took Spanish for years. And when I was in Spain, I tried really hard to to use my Spanish. And the folks there were so receptive to that. And they were really patient and encouraging. And I loved that. And I would always try to use it in my personal conversations. It wasn't appropriate for me to do it in the work technical conversations because I don't know what I'm saying. But the first things you learn when you learn a foreign language are things like my dog, my kids, my parents, the personal types of conversations. So those are the things that people are trying out. And I was always impressed when they would try out the English language, and you would get little personal tidbits. And I always made sure to remember those because, A, they're trying to connect with me right off the bat because they want to speak my language. And I'm in their country, and they're trying to make me feel welcome by speaking my language. And B, they're sharing a little bit of their personal life. After maybe, I don't know, a couple of trips, I started looking up before I went to any new country, little words like that, finding out how to say hello, how to say please and thank you, how to ask how their family was, those kinds of things. And I started trying it out. And it really, it takes it off of a business relationship and builds a deeper connection. And it builds a little bit of trust and goodwill because you are trying to connect with people. Here at home, it's the same thing. If people are going to share those little bits with you, remember them. And the next time you see that person, hey, how did Johnny's graduation go? How was Sally's ballet recital? You built a house. How's it coming? Watch their faces, folks. If you say things like that, and I know I do it, if, so, if I've made a comment because I don't really talk a whole lot about myself, that's kind of, you know, I'll, I'll complain about my commute and I'll talk about work, but I don't, I'm not a big sharer. And I, I've had to work at that over the years because it does build a personal connection. And when I first started doing that and people remembered and asked me about something, I know in my head, I thought, wow. How did they remember that? That was months ago. And I tried to model that because if I'm impressed, chances are someone else will be impressed. And I want to I want to do that for them because I liked that feeling. That made me feel good. That made me felt heard and seen. And I assume that most people like that. Therefore, turn it around and I'm going to do that for them. So those are ways that you can really build deeper connections with your network. And again, it doesn't have to be 50 hours a week of running around trying to 
find people to talk to. I mentioned social media early a little bit. There'll be lots of other podcasts on social media because there's just so many different ways to leverage it. But in general, social media is a great way to build connections because you don't have to drive to the restaurant and have a beer or leave your office and go for lunch. I don't know that it's as personal as the in-person kind of interaction, but I think that because it's become so widely accepted and so popular now, you can still find ways to be personally connected to people. Facebook, obviously, is a more personal level because people are putting things up there of a personal nature. Pictures of their kids, pictures of their dogs. You don't want to be a stalker, but if you're starting to get to know somebody at work and they seem like they're all about Facebook, go on Facebook and friend them. Send them a friend request or ask them in the office, hey, I'm on Facebook too. It sounds like you do some really interesting things. Would it be okay if I if I friended you? I'd love to hear more about your 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 daughter's lacrosse team or or your chronicling your your progress on building your house. I'd love to see that. LinkedIn, most companies are really getting more and more encouraging about their staff using this tool. It's a great way to look for new employees that you need to fill roles at your company. It's a great way to find articles and references and materials to help train your employees or become a better leader, um, learn how to code. I mean, there are so many different resources on LinkedIn. It's just insane. All you need to do is run a search. And I really like the idea that if you search for a certain type of skill that you're interested in or networking events or resource, a lot of times you can find somebody in your first or second network that is connected somehow and you can reach out and ask them a question about it or become more involved. And you also can find a lot of those things close to you geographically that you never knew existed. So building out your network is a lot like casting for a play. You want to make sure that in your network you have a variety of characters that you can talk to for all different aspects of your career. You know, if you do a lot of public speaking and you're not necessarily great at it, identify someone that you've been to a conference with or you go to meetings with and they just have a really good presence. Talk to them. Make friends with them. You can learn from them. Anybody that you can include in your networking circle that you can learn from and you can grow with, that's a great person to have in your circle. And hopefully, I know in the beginning I said this was all about us, but hopefully, and most likely, there are going to be people in this group that your skills can benefit. So it's not just a one-way relationship where you are deriving all the benefit. Think about the different skills that you have that you are really good at. Those are things that other people could benefit from learning from you. 
if there's people coming up to you and trying to build a relationship with you, consider that. They are looking to you because you've got something they would love to learn or you've got connections they would like to build. At the end of the day, our network, in my opinion, is as important as our technical skills, our writing skills, our speaking skills, our negotiating skills, all of those things. Who you know and the types of relationships you have with them, hopefully they're strong and true and genuine and they'll help you go far in your career. One thing to be conscious about are the toxic people that we know and making sure that if we have those kinds of toxic people in our network, everybody's got them, but, and I, you know, I, I don't know what the, your connections are to these people and why they're in your network. I know why mine have been in my network in the past and it's not always easy to just cut them off and move on for a, a whole host of reasons. Perhaps you're related. Perhaps you've always been best friends. Perhaps they've helped you out in the past and it's kind of one of those I feel obligated situations. I'm not saying that you have to cut them out altogether, but toxic relationships can really affect your network and infect your network if you allow them. So perhaps those kinds of relationships need to be in a separate branch. When you're mapping out your social network of the positive influences that you want to leverage to grow your career or grow as a person, those toxic relationships should be in an offshoot that should not commingle with the rest unless you absolutely have to because you don't want that to affect all of the hard work and time and effort that you've put into building a really solid network. And all it takes is one really bad experience, folks. And now you're back to square one and you're trying to repair big damage. And the last thing you want to do is screw up your career because of a toxic relationship. Just something to bear in mind when you are figuring out your strategic mapping of your network. So go out there and take a look at who you're interacting with. Maybe over a cup of coffee or a beer tonight, sit down, make a list of the different places that you can build your network. Think about all of the people you know or people you don't know but are aware of and would like to get to know and figure out ways that you can get to know them. I'm not talking about chasing them down and stalking them on social media, showing up at the golf club and asking them to be your friend. I'm just talking about finding little ways to get on their radar. Figure out a plan, map it out. Give yourself a month. Maybe try to identify three people this month that you wanna be friends with or that you wanna bring into your network. Some of them may not want to be your friend, and that's okay, but others will, and those are the ones you want in your network anyway. 
So go forth and build out your network. I wish you all the best luck. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to notyourordinarygirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident, stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only one you.